<laughs> All right, welcome to uh, Untying the Knot. This week, we have been beset by a few technical difficulties, so uh, right now it's just myself and Flavius. This is Jake. Um, hopefully, many will be able to join us shortly. If not, it's a raw podcast, and we'll, we'll get it out there to you, and he will be able to uh, provide his comments either uh, supplementally or next week. Um, but until then, uh, we're going to preempt a little bit what we were going to talk about because there's a massive pressing uh, issue that's been going on since um, a couple of days ago, uh, since the death of uh, George Floyd. Um, you know, there have been uh, uh, protests and some of those protests have turned into riots. Um And really, you know, anytime something like this happens, there's often conflicting messages from both sides, you know, um, telling you about what happened. And and like we covered before, neither side is really allowed to outright lie because they're big enough to be beholden to slander and libel laws and and the effects that uh, the outright lie would have on uh, the public. So they're not allowed to outright lie. They, They can present opinions and code them as opinions, but they can't tell you direct falsehoods, which means we're going to get conflicting stories about these protests and riots. And a lot of those stories are going to have, are going to present you with the information that, 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 that supports the story that the news outlet wants you to hear. Now, the fact is that, you know, elements of everything are true. Um, you know, uh, Martin Luther King once said uh, a riot is the uh, is the language of the unheard, and um, that really is backed up in a lot of the things that he said in in, in his time. Uh, particularly, I I uh, suggested reading. I always like primary sources. If you want real context into sort of how uh, Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders might feel about this, go back and read the stuff they wrote and said. Um, You know, I suggest reading the letter from the Birmingham jail for an understanding of one, why Martin Luther King felt that nonviolence was the best approach, but two, uh, uh, the compassion uh, that he kind of had for um, people who who might feel unheard and and might feel like nonviolence is not the best approach. Um, I would also suggest, you know, for a shorter read, but no less uh, inspiring um, the full text of his, I have a dream speech, not just the parts that always get played. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there and there's a lot of, uh, 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 emotion that comes from being a part of that unheard section that wants to be heard and sort of having a revolutionary idea of how to go about getting heard. You know, his nonviolence was not the course that a lot of people wanted to take, including, uh, one Malcolm X, and if you read his uh, ballot in the bullet or the bullet speech, um, you really do. It, it really does evoke sort of the feelings that are probably out there uh, when it comes to uh, these riots. Um, you know, he 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 outlines sort of how the voting rights issue of the time was a big thing because it had to do with feeling represented in government, and a lot of times when you're on. When, when you're in the poorer segments of society, you don't feel that representation. And so as Martin Luther King says, you know, that riot 
is probably the voice of the unheard. Um, and uh, for those that are saying, well, yeah, but the, the violence is, is you, who, who have the opposite track of, of, of the, um, you know, this just being uh, uh, violence for violence sake or chaos for uh, against uh, certain groups. Um, I would also suggest uh, the Sublime Song, just using the Sublime Song, April 26, 1992, as a primary source, because that's a white band talking about how they used the uh, race, racial um, discontent of the Rodney King riots to, uh, as, as a group of, you know, poor white people, to get the things that they uh, never felt that they could afford, but always felt that they needed. You know, uh, I, I think the um, some of the telling lines are things where he says, uh, you know, I finally, uh, first stop we hit it was my liquor store. I finally got all that alcohol I can't afford. And then, uh, you know, he says uh, the next stop we hit it was on the music shop. It only took one brick to make the, mute, the window drop. Finally, we got our own PA. And where do you think I got this guitar that you're hearing today? You know, the whole point being, that not only are these protests and riot riots the people who are not heard, but there are other people there who really couldn't give a crap about the voice of those people who are just using this as a smokescreen to get things that they never thought they could have otherwise. You know, um, the, regardless of how you, of, of our own personal level of comfort in this country, there are always people who are more comfortable and less comfortable, and the less comfortable if they're kept in that position for too long, there's a, there's a point that it boils over and we have events like what has happened over the past few days. Um, so I just, I, when it comes to these, uh, these events, a lot of things are going to come out. We're going to have biased reporting on either side and both sides are going to tell you things that are true. Both sides are also not going to tell you the whole story. So it's just important to uh, remember that the full picture, the full story is often more than what you're being presented with and just you know withhold judgment until after you know all the facts judging mm -hmm. based on how won't help no you're right um you can't really just look at it <clears throat> right at the very top um you know just in the best way of um to present it you can't look at the top of the iceberg you got to really look underneath there's always a lot yeah. lying underneath there and as any riot shows, it's always going to show just one part or the major part of what's going on. But if you're ever looking at a full picture, any riot, there actually is a lot more than one group of people committing crimes or just, you know, getting what they feel that they deserve. Um, so you're right. Um, it's actually really good that you brought up the sublime and how they um, illustrated vocally what, you know, what happened, what was going on and what they were doing because they needed things and they're, being honest about that you know i know i, I know i uh, i dropped an accidental f-bomb on the first uh on the first episode just because of frustration with myself uh and and my tendency to uh, uh branch out and then lose my train of thought um so i'm gonna share a quote and i'm gonna censor it because uh you know i don't want to be I want this to be a podcast for everyone and you know the first episode that was a mistake but um Later on in the song, you know, they even point out it's not about coming up. Uh, it, it, they, they point out that it wasn't about race. They say it's uh, it's about coming up and staying on top. 
or oh god, what was that lyric? Sorry, <laughs> I need to clarify the lyric before I share it because I haven't heard the song in so long. Um, but they they make a mention. He says, uh, "Sorry, I got it up now." Um, he says. Uh, they said it was for the black man. They said it was for the Mexican, not for the white man. It's about this effed up situation and these effed up police. It's about coming up and staying on top and screaming 187 on a mother effing cop. And what he's saying is, you know, at the time that they were doing it, LAPD had a documented case of real uh, uh, racist reactions. And that, that, that bleeds into other things that we know about, like the, like the OJ Simpson case. Right. Um, but at the same time, he's saying that, you know, it's not, a this isn't a, this isn't an organized thing about like, you know, there are three white people that are, that are still participating, you know? Um, and, and, and really at this point um, with all these cases that we've seen and, 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 and sort of the discontent that happens, I think the real discontent is the lack of, um, accountability when these things happen that evokes that sort of uh, uh, lynch law mentality um, or, 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 or that min- lynch law feeling where, you know, these people, people are dying and the people who are the cause, who we know are the cause, are being acquitted. So it's like the punishment isn't there. And if there's no punishment there, then there's no, then, then there's a lack of accountability on the account of uh, the people who are committing these, these crimes. And they seem to have a couple things in common. Um, let's not forget that the ones who get convicted, either a, there was that one guy in South Carolina where it was clear that he shot the guy in the back. Right. So he did, but the only other one I can remember hearing about really getting convicted was the woman in Texas, <laughs> you know, um, Oftentimes, there's been a lack of convictions. And even if you don't want to convict the people for first degree murder, you know, there's there's manslaughter. This is even as Fox News has pointed out when it comes to George Floyd. This is an example of, uh, you know, police training not getting through to the individual officer. And that officer needs to be held accountable for his actions to make it clear that officers will be held accountable for their actions. Yeah. He has, but then in that, nothing else. Yeah, and and I think that in where people might say, yeah, but this officer hasn't even gone on trial yet. Some sections of the community that are more of the United States community that are more uh, uh, connected to this issue. I I'm a I'm a white guy. I I I I feel sympathy, but I don't know if I'll ever have the ability to. Uh, really understand what it's like um, for someone who looks more like George Floyd uh, uh, in this country, you know, and, and, and with that in mind, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of that point where, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to be open to both sides, but at the same time, we have to have the accountability. We have to have the police officers who, uh, who aren't just, you know, getting acquitted for these, what are clear misuses of their training and therefore crimes, you know, they can't be, keep getting acquitted. And, um, 
No, I just I think that uh, in in a in a large section of the country, there's a fire. Uh, there's an emotional fire that they that they live in um, that comes from sort of the uh, inability to feel secure uh, when it comes to the people who are supposed to keep us secure because not because there aren't good cops out there there are good cops out there but because when it comes to the order side of the law and order equation the order is not following through you know, we watch Law and Order and it, it points out there's the police and the courts. And while the police, sometimes the police aren't perfect. Go figure. They're human. Um, but when the police aren't perfect, the order side isn't following through and making sure that it's uh, uh, that these people are being kept accountable. And a lot of times to a large section of this country, it probably feels like um you know, those the, the, that 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 order is just another example of the systemic racism that uh, we made progress away from the 1960s, but we didn't fully erase racism or systemic racism. No, yeah, you know? it's it's always just going to be one way or another masked. That's how it's really become. Because I mean, now more days anybody can really get in trouble for being called a racist if they one way or another have or have not offended someone um you can't really tell but people become sensitive about it that yeah it it's not going to go away it's just going to be masked one way or another and people are creative enough to find a way to act how they want to and kind of try and speak their mind as best they can yeah and when they aren't being heard this is the 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 events we see happening over the last few days are, are kind of a result so anyway, that was just supposed to be an aside. Instead, it's taken the first 15 minutes of the, of the recording. <laughs> um, but our actual... What? No, no, um, I didn't say anything. I agree. I mean, it's you know something we kind of wanted to get out there to you guys. And so that's what our first part of the show has been about. Yeah, we didn't want to hide from the issue. We just wanted to, uh, <laughs> we just wanted to preempt what we were going to do for that. Um, but now... Uh, you know, what we decided to do, like I said, we usually pick our topics on, on Wednesday. So we look at all sides on Wednesdays and we look at the three top stories and then we pick one. Uh, and this week, the one that we, uh, the three of us chose was, uh, tweeting in the first amendment. Um, so a little less exciting than, <laughs> than, uh, than the, uh, uh, riots and, and protests that are happening because of, uh, uh, the death of George Floyd. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so the summary for this issue is that President Trump is feuding with Twitter over the fact checks that were added to two of his tweets in the past two weeks regarding mail-in voting in California. Uh, the tweets that President Trump sent out claim that the mail-in voting ballots will f- be fraudulent and lead to a, rig- mixed el- or a rigged election. And um, so Twitter uh, install- in- in- installed two, uh, a couple of fact checks on his tweets. Um, now, Trump Uh, The president has claimed that Twitter is stifling free speech, while the site Twitter claims that the tweets uh, claiming potential voter fraud are unsubstantiated and therefore, uh, uh, you know, aren't need a little bit more context. And that's why they added the the um, the 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 fact checks. Um, And just to just to be clear, because one of the things that 
struck me. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if it bugged you as much as it bugged me, Flavius. Um, but one of the things that bugged me so much was we read two articles where um, free speech and is, 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 is a major part of the article. They both, the first one, uh, the conservative article straight up says, it quotes Trump and says Twitter is completely stifling free speech. Now, the other article doesn't quote him in the title um, like the conservative article does, but it does uh, uh, utilize that concept, that idea of free speech. And what annoys me about it is that neither article, neither the liberal or the conservative gave article. Give out what the exact amendment is. Gave out what the exact amendment is, discussed precedent related to free speech at all. They, there was no discussion in either article of the legal realities of free speech because you know like when you know free speech we often hear freedom of speech and we and and it becomes a buzzword but what people often forget is that's not absolute the right to free speech the actual first amendment says congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So in other like all of those are different forms or types of speech. Uh, You know, religion is your spiritual speech. It's what you, it's expressing what you believe spiritually. Um, The speech is literally your, your, your vocal expression. The press, is the uh, ability to is, is the ability what you can put in print and 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 now in in the modern context what you can broadcast and and all of the and with the expression and the broadcast all of those uh, are tempered by people have the right not to have to listen to your speech as well like you can't just get a bullhorn and go to your neighbor's house and as long as you're not standing on their property yell in at them they have the right to be able to turn your speech right. off that's why tv channels can get away with saying so much that you don't want to hear because you can turn them off and not listen <laughs> you know um but the whole point of the of, of this uh, uh of this amendment is just the many ways that people can speak the assembly part is people gathering together to make an expression of how they feel in one place you know the petition is letters that you can send to the government telling them how you don't like what they're doing and all of this is tempered by the fact that it's the government it's a limitation on what the government can do you know and the thing about businesses is especially even in even social media businesses is that they're viewed as growing organically out of the people. They are possessions of individuals in the populace, just like how, you know, the CEO of Twitter is, is Jack Dorsey. He is the individual who, who is some, him and, and the board of Twitter are the ones who are represented by the speech that is on Twitter. And so, you know, if Jack Dorsey doesn't like something on the platform, or if the board of Twitter doesn't like something on the platform, it is their free speech rights since they are the ones putting out the platform to put context to it. And the president cannot like it, but at the same time, as soon as he wants to do something about it, he can't really use the government to go after them because, you know, the reason why they say Congress shall make no laws because every executive order needs a law or a legal precedent to back it up. And so what they're saying is, 
if Congress can't make the law, the president has no ability to enforce right. it. No. <laughs> you know, so I just wanted that context there. And, and of course, you know, once we do get to the laws that are made that somewhat abridge free speech, if they're actually unconstitutional, the Supreme Court strikes them and gets rid of them. And if they are and if there is a justified reason for the limitation on free speech, um, they 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 stick around. Um, you know, that's how you can that's how uh, just from my own uh, personal uh, uh, knowledge, that's how you can have limitations on free speech in schools. You know, oftentimes in schools, you'll have some kid, some upstart who's heard the term free speech and thinks, oh, I can drop the F-bomb or say whatever I want because I have a free speech. Yes. Right. And <laughs> but... no, I was saying yes Sorry, and no, ahead. like you can, but at the same time, you can't just pretty much say whatever you exactly want. Because if it's disruptive and it gets in the way of someone else's ability to learn, you're the one in then, trouble for it. Right, you're you're getting in the way of their of of their right to to learn just because you have the right to free speech, and neither one is uh, absolute. But their right to learn doesn't interfere with your right to free speech if you are being told not to be a disruption. You know, it's just like how uh, we don't <laughs> if if either one of us went into a crowded uh, movie theater, which isn't happening anytime soon. But if we did um, and yelled fire, you know, we would be held responsible for anything that happened to anybody trying to get out of that theater. If someone got trampled, it would be our fault, you know, because our speech right isn't absolute. So um, it frustrated me when we were reading these articles that they didn't mention no, that at all. I mean, they're always... Yeah. If they do that, that kind of contradicts everything that they're going to then try and write up. But I think exactly. you also, while well, we're stating that one at least gave you some of the intelligence that you knew more about what that amendment is than the other article. But we can go into <laughs> that later. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get in. So the conservative article was written by Carlos Garcia, and it's uh, titled Twitter is completely stifling free speech. Trump are interfering in the 2020 election and it comes to us from the site the uh the blaze and it's from may 26 2020 um and just a few of the techniques that we saw uh first off glittering generalities and just plain folks came up before i even read the article <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even get to the article and a pop-up ad for the blaze came up almost immediately stating that conservative voices are being suppressed as a lead-in to signing up for their daily newspaper. And because uh, I get distrustful because the number of people who sign up for that newsletter can be used as a metric to attract advertisement. Hey, these many people signed up for our newsletter. You should advertise on our newsletter because it will get out to this many people. You know, so it's, it's immediately suspect. And uh, it kind of provides a motive for their insinuation of mm -hmm. shared victimhood. Now, as we've these 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 voices are still getting out because obviously this is a is a is a um, is a broadcast uh, uh, production site that is not getting uh, 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 stifled. They're <laughs> they're expanding. They're sending out newsletters. They're doing fine. You know, I you go to their site and there's advertisements all over the place. They're doing just fine. They're 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 not stifled by any sense of the word. They are actually utilizing the media, the social media aspects of media to get themselves out there. Um, it all, uh, but by seizing upon that feeling of discontent uh, without pointing to the fact that this first amendment refers to actions, of the government, 
which at the federal level is literally staffed by conservative majorities in the Senate, the executive branch, and the Supreme Court, the blaze is kind of appealing to the plain folks that wouldn't know that fact with a glittering generality. They're, they're, uh, and additionally, when you go to, when you want to choose, they have two biased choices. One is, I want to be informed. That's if you sign up for the newsletter. And the other one is just, no, thanks. I'll, I'll stick yeah. with fake news to reject the op- <laughs> It's just, it, it was just, it was the word. Uh, the pop-up ad was almost as bad as the article. And the article, you had glittering generalities with just plain folks. This article was extremely brief. I copied and pasted the text. I don't... Uh, I, I, and, and when I put it into a Word document and converted it to 12-point font in Times New Roman, which is kind of what we used to have to do when we were in school when we wanted to write a paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? That was my son. He's mad at uh, you now. <laughs> <laughs> the text is just over half a page, you know? And, and, and it's just like, how is... That's that's less a news article and more like uh, a, a summary of a summary of what happened. Um, and that includes the comments. Oh, wait, uh, the actual information, I'm sorry, covers the fact that the president tweeted about the issue and that his campaign director also commented. And it includes the comments as part of the article. Uh, no contextual Im- information is given to support or refute the president's stance on the issue, except for a link to a Fox News video on the issue. But as we stated last time, I followed the link last time just to get to the Heritage Foundation stuff because I wanted to know what they had to say. This time it was kind of like, mm, I bet it's the same stuff right. in a video. So I didn't click on no, it. No, I didn't really click on it at all, but not surprised. <laughs> um, we also uh, saw some elements of transfer, uh, except for the title, which just says Trump. This article pretty much gets the use of honorifics correct when it comes to the president. But because it's in such a harm or hyperpartisan format with such little information in there, it seems more like the point is to lead, lend credibility to the president's tweets by saying they're from the president via transfer and not an honest use of the title the president has earned. If they included more information it, about how fact-checking interferes with free speech, then the perception, my perception of partisanship might have been different. Um, but as is, it looks like they're using the honorific in a tabloid effort to replace information an honest journalist would include in the article. And by information that they would include, I really mean the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um and then the last one I saw, uh, the last one I really saw was uh, more transfer and, and some name calling. As we mentioned in the supplemental episode about tabloid techniques, and, and we mentioned at the beginning of this um, episode, there are laws regarding the ability of the press to broadcast factually false information, literal lies. They can't do that. Uh, in short, they cannot publish and broadcast outright lies due to the threat of being big enough in the public eye for them to be liable, and that means give up money for the false information that they provide in a court of law. Uh, Therefore, the fake news accusation of his president and his campaign director, as well as the inclusion of Amazon when mentioning the Washington Washington Post, is a less than subtle reference to their owner that the president has publicly feuded with. So 
when they reprint that, it's kind of an example of name calling because it's a way to uh, transfer the emotion regarding a popular villain for the president's fans in order to discredit the fact-checking efforts. Because when this happens, the president doesn't respond to the fact check. And we'll get into why he should, why that would have been what I would have advised him to do. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, um, but why I would have advised him to, to respond with the source of his facts. <laughs> so sorry for the jump skip, everybody. Um, I, I, we're, so I think the uh, program we use actually correctly cut me off. I've, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, grandstanding today, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything more about the about the conservative article outside of just giving my bias rating. Uh, as you can probably tell from how I've talked about it so far, uh, this article I gave the bias rating. Of, uh, you know, we go one through five, one being least biased, one be five being most biased. And, uh, you know, last week we had a couple of articles that were closer to the one to two side of things, really not biased that that badly. Uh, this week was kind of the opposite. And this article, I gave a five. Um, starting with the title, the author puts the words free speech in all caps, but there's no mention of the First Amendment in the article, um, especially in terms of how this fact checking interferes with the president's freedom of speech or with freedom of speech in general. Um, remember, freedom of speech is only regarding Congress's ability to infringe upon that right. And by extension, as a result of the fact that Congress makes laws, you know, the president's ability to act to infringe upon that right uh, is tied to Congress's ability to infringe upon that right. So a private company that puts out a service sort of providing context for what someone is saying on their service is fully within their rights. It's their free speech right. Uh, especially once the 2010 uh, Citizens United decision said that corporations are people. This is just another example of where we have to give them people, uh, people rights, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, a privately owned internet site has the autonomy to deliver, determine the speech they're willing to tolerate on their platform. So long as the government is man not mandating what we can or cannot say, our rights only extend until they infringe upon the rights of others. And According to our current laws, corporations are legal per persons. Uh, therefore, the Twitter corporation is only put up with the speech, only has to put up with the speech that they're willing to on their platform. Granted, right. yeah, if they get too restrictive, they will lose customers and revenue as a result. That is the customers themselves free speech rights to be able to turn off that speech and to turn away from that speech. So if you don't like it, there are other options out there, you know, uh, that's just how that works. The thing that's the, the reason why this article gets a five in my mind is because the article provides no context for why the fact checking is occurring, nor does it provide any further information past what the president and his campaign director said. A person who follows both on Twitter, uh, who is more likely to be a consumer of this website, uh, would have seen no new information in this article. They would have gotten nothing out of it. Uh, it's just a restatement of the president's words. Um, you know, it'd be like if if I said two plus two equals four and then you said two times two equals four. We both said that two twos is four, but it's the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's yeah, that's actually good. <laughs> so, so so that was my rating. Flavius, what would your rating for this article be? I'd have to agree. Uh, it's about a five like they Clearly from, I mean, conservative and the liberal, I know we're going to get into the other one, 
they both had their agenda and they made it pretty clear like they're they're following what they want to and they're putting the information that they feel is necessary but neither one wanted to put what the first amendment is yeah and it's just kind of like i i don't know it just has me a, a bit annoyed that you're like i'm it's like okay you're clearly writing what you want and it's not exactly wrong but you got to give a little bit more information or just not fully just be telling me what you think is fully there. Feel a little less biased, but they're not. That's they're right. It doesn't serve the public. You know, it doesn't it, not giving the public the understanding of the issue just confuses the issue. Yeah. They're, they're just kind of coding around it. They're not doing anything else. Yeah. So that was the conservative article gets a full five. Now for the liberal article. The liberal article comes from an author named Shirin Ghaffari, and they uh, titled their article, Twitter has finally started fact-checking Trump. <laughs> uh, and that one comes from, uh, I always say it, Vox. My wife says Vox. Uh, I know it's a Latin word. It means voice, but I don't know the correct pronunciation, so I'm just going to put that out there. I'm probably butchering it. Uh, it comes from May 26, 2020 as well. Um, and we saw kind of a lot of the same techniques just utilized differently. First off, um, I saw the bandwagon here. You know, the author's choice of words, especially even in the title. You know, I emphasized finally because I feel like that's how it would be read. Twitter has finally started fact-checking Trump. Notice no use of the honorific. Just, <laughs> yeah, just Trump. Just that's it. But the, the the author's choice of words play up the action of fact checking political statements as revolutionary, when really it's only revolutionary in the sense that Twitter has done it, not that you know so that politicians have been fact checked haven't been fact checked before. You know, um, I like Snopes.com. I think they do a better job of fact checking than than uh, when we get to. Um, when we get to it, I think that Snopes does a better job of fact-checking than Twitter actually did in this case. <laughs> um, additionally, some of the wording promotes the idea that people have been clamoring for the fact president to be fact-checked while downplaying the conservative concerns about the issue. Because let's be honest, every politician is also a private citizen. And the, the definition of where their uh, official office ends and their personal life begins has really not legally been defined, you know? So in, in some ways, the conservative voices are not incorrect, <laughs> you know? That's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also saw stack cards in this, uh, in, in this, in this article, uh, while the conservative article avoided providing context, this article makes sure to mention the tweets, the tweets that led to the fact checking, um, which now that we're at this article, we can sort of provide the context too. Um, you know, the, the, the fact checks were based on mail-in voting, but the real outcry from for uh, against President Trump's tweeting was because of what he's been saying about uh, Joe Scarborough and his former uh, uh, aide in in the context of her widower sent a letter to Twitter asking for literally requesting that the tweets be deleted because his wife deserves better. Um, 
you know, and I think that there's something to be said there. Uh, you know, the widower doesn't feel like there was, uh, is okay with the medical, that medical examiner's conclusion about the heart condition that led to her falling and, and, and subsequent hitting of her head and dying is the fact that the president has questions. Um, does that supersede the widower's right to uh, his private life? You know, um, so that's what added pressure for Twitter to change its fact-checking policy, not the actual tweets in question where the president uh, was tweeting about mail-in voting. But this article at least includes the Joe Scarborough side of things. Um, and it also, uh, another way that it stacks cards is it makes sure to list other world leaders besides uh, President sure. whose posts have been affected by Twitter policy in the past, yeah. you know? Um, huh? No, I agree. I was just, I was. Yeah. Um, video, but not always to his benefit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing about this, this time is the article uh, writes about those posts while also questioning whether Twitter will be willing to extend that policy to other world leaders. It, it, it's this weird way where it's it's kind of like if I were to be like uh, if I were to text you to invite you to this to the recording and then immediately afterward just send you a text and be like I don't know if you're even going to come yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't it, it makes little sense um, there's also just many uses of glittering generalities in this in this article and i and i highlighted two of them first off uh, much like in the conservative article this one references the freedom of speech as well as the narrative of anti-conservative bias in the media the article refers to as unfounded but much like the conservative article this one provides no context regarding the first amendment or how it would apply the, as we've said multiple times before there's no mention of that of that part um, instead, the article explains the context for the action Twitter is taking um, by pointing out the Joe Scarborough case without actually taking the time to outline any free speech rights or any discussion of free speech rights. Um, the By staying general and not including the portion of the president's tweeted reply to the fact checking where he states that he is president will not allow it to happen. They do cut off that tweet in the liberal article. The tabloid journalist seems to have saved themselves from actually having to explain the actual constitutional issue further, because if they actually included that he as president will not allow it to happen, they might have to discuss presidential actions with regard to free speech. And they sidestep that by just censoring the article or censoring the tw Twitter post. <laughs> um, it's almost situational irony. <laughs> yeah. But I discussed that in the final thoughts. So I'm going to wait till then. Um, the other example of glittering generalities, the conservative article cited CNN and the Washington Post because of their re recognized bias, both of which, when it comes to our source site, all sides uh, are firmly in the lean left column. So, you know, it, and CNN opinion is in the fully left column. But the liberal article does not specifically list any other sources in the fact check link outside of the mention of other media outlets. If those two sources are the main elements of the fact check on the, on the, on the president, then I kind of understand why conservatives would feel like the, uh, this was an example of, of being, of their voice being stifled. Um, 
you know, you gotta, you, you, you can't fact check with sources from one side. You have to fact check from the center. Otherwise, you're just fighting bias with bias. <laughs> well, I'd love to see them do that more often. <laughs> I just think it'd be funny as heck to see, to be honest. It's. I feel. I feel like in some cases that's kind of, in, in a less organized sense, that's kind of what we see in general, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the thing that strikes me here is, if those two sites, CNN and the Washington Post, are not the main elements of the fact check, then why wouldn't the liberal source mention a wider array of centrist sources in the fact check as a stack card's effort? to justify the fact checking. So the fact that they didn't do that leads me to believe that there is a little bit of credence to the stifling, stifling of conservative voices argument. Um, you know, they, they can't, it, it just, it, it, if there's facts to be checked from the other side, or if there's facts to be checked, I feel like you got to have more centrist sources. You can't just go to the, you can't just go to the left to check the right. And you can't just go to the right to check the left. You're just going to get bias fighting bias. Like, and <laughs> it's just not going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. It really won't work well at all. <laughs> so uh, for the bias rating of this article, um, I gave this one a 4.5. Uh, the article is clearly against the president. It's clearly biased. And by extension, it's uh, uh, biased against his brand of conservatism. And from the title that states Twitter has finally started to fact check the president, it doesn't get much better. Uh, in fact, the only reason this conservative article got a worse bias rating is because the lack of information about the First Amendment assumes their readers don't understand the application of the law. Uh, the liberal article seems to assume their readers understand the amendment, but then it goes out of its way to avoid having to clarify the issue, kind of implying they don't think that their readers understand the application either, but just that they don't want to change their uh, readers' view of the application. They, they want to maintain and manipulate it. Um, so in general, neither article was a good source of any real information, but I feel like the liberal article respected their readers intelligence slightly more that's why when i when i rated it i gave it a 4.5 honestly i think that uh after what we've talked about i'd really give the liberal article a 4.9 <laughs> i wouldn't, wouldn't put it that much above i think 4.5 is too far above the bias rating of uh the conservative it, 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 it's they're almost equally biased and therefore they deserve almost equal ratings. I think that the conservative article gets a five and the liberal article gets a 4.5, 4.9 is, is my opinion on it. <laughs> um, I'd have to agree with that. It's like you said, even from the title, it pretty much already tells you their, their point and what their stance is and what they're exactly going to try and, you know, hit, hit at you with. Um, but they did try to make it seem like, you know, our readers know something and we're not going to hit much more into it, but they know something about it. They might be giving the readers too much credit. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd say probably 4.8, 4.9, just because it, it wasn't much better at all. Um, both yeah. clearly had their view and they're just going to try and sway you one way or the other. Um, same thing, just got to read it for yourself and kind of read between the lines because uh, it was just too hilarious. 
it really was for me it was a case of like both articles are clearly biased but i felt just slightly more respected (laughs) (laughs) i know i got two con men but you're nicer and you get (laughs) i like you more i'll go with this that's it that's kind of exactly what the ratings were this week (laughs) that that's the analogy (laughs) um so on to our final thought about these two articles. Uh, for me, uh, I would say the First Amendment is a complex sentence, but at the end of the day, it's just that, a sentence. And it's a pretty damn clear one at that. Congress shall make no law implies that, the that first off Congress, but as we've mentioned, by extension, the rest of the government, because Congress is where those laws start. The president can't enforce laws that don't exist. And the president's job is to enforce the law. So by extension, it's the president. Basically, Congress shall make no law implies that the president shall take no executive action abridging the freedom of speech. It is literal, in my opinion, in my in my view, it is literal situational irony that the president implied he would use the pre- power of his office to weigh in on the kind of speech that a private corporation allows on its personal social media service because they dared to check his facts. The original intent of the amendment was to protect us from the kind of government that literally censored the words of our founding fathers and censored their actions. And pretty much it was it was a monarchy. And we didn't there was a reason we had the First Amendment. We didn't want that monarchy. We didn't want the government to be able to gain the power that that monarchy had. That that was the original intent. It was to protect us from that kind of. And since Twitter. Part of the privately owned economy and therefore not government or government owned they're included in the us that the amendment protects um you know when it comes to citizens united and the establishment of of, of corporations as quote unquote people um you know they're they they have first amendment rights yeah. <laughs> the corporation first amendment right they can they i mean to a degree do as they please but as long as it doesn't infringe on to a degree to everybody else yeah he he clearly, I don't think, even paid attention to what the First Amendment fully is or tried to just, you know, bully his way into wanting to say what he wants. And it's like, like you said, how dare you fact check me? He's like, well, yeah, they can and they should fact check anybody in a position of power to make sure that they are doing right by the people. Yeah. So, and by that extension, the, the, their inclusion of a fact check on the president's claims leading him to threaten the use of his the power of his office to affect corporate decisions ironically makes his administration the type of government the amendment is supposed to protect us from in the first place yeah at least the free speech now according to both sources the main references for the fact checks are sources that are known to lean to the left leading to the net what i think of as the necessary concession that the fact check could have been done better you know um, we, we, we mentioned it before you can't just confront conservative bias with liberal bias bias all you're doing is pushing bias into each other you gotta you know actually you and, and by that extension the sources have to be trusted by both sides you can't just throw out a, 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 a source that one side doesn't trust and say oh your facts are wrong because this these people that you don't trust said so, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. So in action, keep, sorry. I didn't no, mean, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, so in action, I think that the fact check could have been better. Um, but I don't think the action of fact checking is wrong. I think that 
the uh, that the, that they could have just conducted it better. Um, however, the real issue I think is really this: uh, Do politicians have the right to hide behind the ambiguity of social media in order to spread half truths and misleads that are beneficial to their position in the game of politics, regardless of the overall effect the rumor mongering has with the regard to the well-being of the general public? Um, and in that regard. I would say no. I, I think that once they get into the government, they are they should be held to a different standard. I don't expect my president to to be on the level of a fifteen year old bully who doesn't know any better. He has to you be know? way above that. And I agree with you right. that any politician, once you're at a certain level. You yeah, you have to be accountable. You can't just be, you know, kind of make very blank statements and just kind of try and hide. Unfortunately, it's not. No, you're not that 15 year old. You're not also just a journalist that can't hide. You're you're in a position of power and you're in the public eye. You have to realize your actions definitely have consequences more than others. And the thing is, the nature of the podcast that we're putting out and the fact that we are able to find an article from a conservative source and an article from a liberal source impl- implies that both sides, like we, Trump is, the, President Trump is the one in, pow- in, in, the, in the seat of power now. And that's why it seems like people are ganging up on conservatives. But, you know, uh, there, there are equal voices on the liberal side doing the exact same thing. Um, I was just watching, uh, actually last man standing, which for such a quote unquote conservative show has some real centrist views. Um, but he made a, a, a sarcastic joke on one of the episodes where he go, where he goes, uh, the, 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 the country's all discontent and nobody trusts the president or, and nobody tr- trusted the president You're talking about like back a, a while ago. And he goes, uh, oh, isn't it great that we, that we solved that issue? <laughs> Ah, that's well played. <laughs> it, it's just it, it, it's equal on both sides. The 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 discontent that conservatives felt under Obama is the exact same discontent that liberals feel under under Trump. And the question is, is there is it because of uh, the person, or is it because of you know the political behavior? I I often say that I I don't. Uh, for all the people that don't like Trump, I don't view him as a as a cause of problems. I view him as a symptom of the problems in Congress, um, you know, because Congress is where the law starts. It's where the it, it, they make the laws that give the president the power to have executive actions. And and they really uh, set the tone for political behavior because there's five hundred and thirty five of them representing their party instead of just one of them and the people around him, you know, Um so I think we agree that it, when it comes to politicians, they're on a different level and need to be held to a different accountability. Uh, I don't know if, tw- I don't think that Twitter's new policy, I, I applaud Twitter's new policy. I don't think they've done it as well as they could have. I think that they could put more time and effort into what they're doing when it comes to fact checking and making sure that their facts are facts and not coming from biased sources to combat biased sources. But at the same time, you know, it's not a bad thing that they want to provide facts. No, I like you said, provide them correctly. Just do a little bit more research. They are a big company. Like they can easily do that, and just 
you know, if you're going to provide facts, provide the right ones and just double check it. Be funny for, to be fact checked by somebody else. Because then, you know, Twitter's just going to be embarrassed about it. Which would also be hilarious to yeah. see, but. <laughs> I, I, and and I, get, I, I personally, I don't think it's revolutionary to expect our political leaders to be better than our current crop of political leaders with regard to with, withstanding the temptation to spread selfishly beneficial half-truths. Because they're public servants first, and the possible revenue in 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 our government, and we can we can really do it would take a long time because there's a lot of loopholes and stuff like that. But in this case, we're talking about with regard to campaign finance and the loopholes that they have to be be able to accept what is essentially legal bribe money. That should those things should be an afterthought if they're a thought at all. You know, the 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 point of public service and the point of uh, government originally was so that everyone could have a voice and now a lot of listeners will be like that's not true because the constitution included uh, really strengthened the slavery system and kept it in there for uh at least 70 years and it's like well yeah it's not perfect nothing ever is but the original intent was everyone that they considered a citizen to have the ability to participate and as time has gone on we've we've responded to uh, uh, strong movements where people have said, we want to be considered citizens too, you know? Um, and so the, the, the money, the revenue should be an afterthought at best. And the president, as we've mentioned before, the president is the first, isn't the first politician of either party to utilize social media to make up unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated claims. He is just, in my personal opinion, less inhibited with regard to the idea of decorum you know he's 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 just not he just doesn't think before he speaks and on a social platform you actually have the ability because you have to press send before you actually send it out (laughs) yeah he's got to think more often And if I could speak to him, I'd say freedom of speech was never intended to be the freedom to say anything you want whenever you want. And that while he may be a world leader whose tweets are newsworthy, I would say to him he should not have tweeted those accusations against a media personality he doesn't like without even considering how his words would affect the family left behind. And if he did, uh, judging from the way the widower reacted, I think he didn't take enough time to consider the widower. Um you know, because it, it really, it, if I were in that, the, the widower's uh, position, I, I don't know how I would feel, but I know it would not be anything good. I, I just, I, I, it's so hard to put myself in that position because I just don't even want to think about it. You know, um, it's tragic and it's terrible. And he probably thought he had healed and moved on. It's been years. And now this comes up and all of a sudden what is probably the worst event to ever happen in his life is being commented on in almost the worst way by the president of the entire United States. (laughs) I I, I can't imagine where, uh, how that, how that, the emotional state that that puts that, that man in. And I really do. My heart goes out to him. Um, and that's, those are hollow words. I know, but you know, they're all give, um, basically, in my opinion, the president of the United States should know to behave better. The president is the chief citizen representing all of us citizens. 
And I don't think that those tweets represent us well at all. No, they really don't. And that's kind of the big issue for a lot of people. That's why they, so many people are not happy with the president is his tweets have really dropped the image of what I guess a typical American looks like. And it's, it yeah. sucks. Like, you know, I mean, jokingly, sometimes it's like, where are you from? I'm like, do I want to contemplate saying USA? I have a backup. <laughs> I can't say I'm just Colombian and leave it at that. I might be with my backup. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's like, oh, it was like, but your English is good. I was like, fine. I'm also from the US. They're like, oh, how do you feel about Trump? It's like, can we not get into that? It's like, yeah. Ugh. When when it came to the COVID-19 issue, my wife shared with me an article from The Guardian. And one point that I had to make, because I, you know, looking at tabloid techniques, was that the the article in The Guardian that was talking about the president's COVID-19 responses, um, they cited international conservatives. So people who, in terms of personal politics, would agree with the conservatives in our country but the what they were doing was they were showing that inter- outside of this country where the media is different, conservatives were even condemning the president for his behavior in a certain way. And it was just like and, and that was a tabloid technique was showing that even people in what would be considered his own movement uh, don't exactly have a positive view of him. And by extension, the country he leads, which leads your your uh, uh, me to be able to con contextualize what you mean by saying that you kind of would prefer to rely on Colombian. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it, like I said, um, I mean, a lot of people, they, the conservatives outside would possibly, you know, if they're getting asked the same thing is like, yeah, I think he can do well, but how he's going on about it, you know, not making me feel any better. Like I might as well say like, you know, wherever I'm at internationally, it's like, I'm from this country, but I was, from the U.S., it's oh okay, cool. It's like yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about something else now? <laughs> and and just to reiterate, like Trump gets a lot of a lot of uh, he he's in the the president's seat is always a hot seat, so yeah. he's in the hot yeah. seat, uh, and he gets a lot of, uh, flack for that. But um, you know. When it comes to the issues facing this country, I, I, I put it less on the president, more on Congress, because Congress was always supposed to be the if, if you put it on a graph, an individual congressperson has less power. Then the president has more power than that individual congressperson. But then it was always intended for if for the largest portion of that graph when it comes to power to be given to Congress as a whole. Congress was always meant to be more powerful because it was always more directly connected to the people. They represent the people more than the president at times. Right. And so when it comes to, if people think that there's a disease in the, uh, in the executive branch, then they need to start looking at the body of the legislative branch for the source of the disease. You know, It, it, it doesn't start with president Trump. President Trump is, for if, if if you think that there's a problem in government and he is a part of it, then where it starts is is the is the legislative branch. So at least in my opinion, you know, I have to agree. I'd have to agree for sure. 
Well, those were two exhaustive topics that we covered today. <laughs> um, and, you know, we talked about a, a closing remark last week, and I completely forgot to have it queued up. <laughs> Do you remember what um, I mean, if we're closing up for now, um, you know, please always... If you're reading anything, do try and read from two sides. Be as very neutral as you can. And you guys can easily conceptualize there's a knot. Just read it and untie that knot and let us know how you feel. Yep. (laughs) All right. So we are uh, trying to be at least a listener-supported podcast. So if you uh, like what you hear, uh, you know, um, please... Uh, you know, uh, like it on whatever platform you listen to it on, subscribe, uh, uh, share. Um, and if you're really feeling uh, uh, generous, check out our Patreon page and maybe uh, try to try to uh, help us out that way as well. Um, you know, and, and we will be able to keep putting this stuff out and keep trying to help everyone else untie the knot. Yep. Uh, Take care and hope to hear you guys next week.